To Saturday night, I uh, stayed up all night because I've been you know, sleeping weird hours. So uh-huh. I was like, I'm going for the hard reset. Yeah, I was like, I'm just gonna stay up until you know 10 o'clock, we'll say, and then maybe I'll wake up at a normal time on Sunday. But then uh, last night, about five o'clock, the internet went down again. So I said, Well, I guess I'll watch Godfather on Blu ray. I got about Half That's a movie you fall asleep to. Yeah, got about half an hour into it, and I went to sleep and didn't wake up again until like I don't know eleven midnight or something. And then now I haven't been asleep since then. But I was falling asleep before we started the podcast, so <laughs> I guess I'll go. I'll go to sleep <laughs> after the podcast. I don't know. Oh. Um, I remember like staying up late used to be fun. Like when I was younger, like you know, playing video games all night or watching movies, doing regular shit. Now it's like depressing because it reminds me of like when I would like stay up all night drinking or doing drugs and stuff. Well, maybe you, you just need to stay up all night playing video games or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean part of it's probably what are you what are you doing while you're staying up all night? Well, just watching random shit, listening to music, playing video games. Uh, I don't know. No, it's just when the sun starts to come up over on that certain time. It always just reminds me of like. Doing up, being up all night, doing drugs and stuff. And it's not like the, all the all not all those times are bad. There's some good times. It's just the, a lot of like the big memory ones are like at times where it's like ah oh, working on a suicide note, you know. Mm. Yeah, fun so, stuff. Yeah, that's the things you really want to recall back and feel nostalgic for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sometimes the negative things that leave the starkest impression in your memory. I guess. I uh, I believe that there's some research to actually back that up. Yeah. Speaking of the darkest times, uh, fucking defund the police already. <laughs> Good luck with that one. They have the fucking eye of the world on these pigs, and they just still can't stop killing black people, huh? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you expected. Yeah, they're fucking useless. I feel we'll abolish the police, and by abolish the police, I no longer just mean abolish the 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 existence of police in the United States. I mean, members of the police need to be abolished from the face of the earth. I mean, there's definitely a few of them that uh, would be up for the death penalty if they weren't cops. Yeah, let's well, get rid of. Uh, them. Well, I mean, here's your here's the news I read this morning. It's uh, Tim Scott, who is the only black senator uh, from the GOP, the Republicans, mm-hmm. said that uh, eliminating qualified immunity would be a no starter for them. So, 
hey, we're going to get some real, real good reforms with these assholes in charge. No, I mean, it's not obviously not, nothing is going to change through the power of our government. It's going to have to be people in the streets. That's the only option. Now the government doesn't, neither, neither party reflects the will of the people anymore. It's too late. They had their chance. It's over. We'll abolish the government too. Autonomous <laughs> zones everywhere. <laughs> Finally, we will have anarchy, just as I've always dreamed. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. It seems like no one's really covering anything anymore. They weren't until they fucking burned down the Wendy's. Then the news got sad again. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> that shit works. You gotta think about Dave Thomas. That shit works. It's a burn shit works. You just can't constantly do it. No, Although, because they're turning it against you. You gotta be targeted. Yeah, anymore. You gotta keep reminding them. It's, uh, it's, we, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, we watched uh, Do the Right Thing last week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that movie ends with a pizza uh, place being burned down. I mean, yeah, it's fucking do the right thing. We burn down Wendy's. That's what they get. Fucking Wendy's. They do shit for the community. Some corporately owned bullshit. Give you like, Low security, low paying, starvation wage ass fucking job. Fuck Wendy's. Gonna call uh, cops sometimes you get to take the spicy nuggets home though at the end of your shift, assuming that you have a cool manager. Yeah, but then you probably still get in trouble for it. It's fucking bullshit. Fuck Wendy's. Apparently Atlanta also has the uh, what the, the 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 most extreme income income inequality in the United States. Oh yeah. Fuck man, Atlanta start over. United States start over. I you know Sherman wanted to burn it to the ground. Yeah, fuck that asshole, too. I don't give a fuck about any of these old ass white people anymore. Except for uh, John Brown. <laughs> if you're not willing to kill people with the bastard sword to stop slavery, then you're useless. <laughs> it's the only thing I respect now. Violence. Does that have to be a bastard sword, though? I mean, it's whatever you got available. Like, if you're a weave and you got a katana, but you're using your katana for, you know, the right thing, then I'll allow it. Yeah, the media is really trying to make it seem like it's losing steam, but the protests are just getting bigger and bigger. And apparently, there's some other autonomous zones that are starting to crop up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm poised to assist because I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of the government. I'm tired of the way they treat our people and keep killing our people. It's fucking bullshit. I'm fucking angry. I'm fed up. Fucking burn this shit to the ground. Obviously, I won't because that might cause problems for the Black Lives Matter crowd, uh, cause, and I don't want to be one of those like shitty white people. But I'm angry. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and then nothing seems to ever get done. And also, Arizona is apparently number one for COVID cases. We're opening everything back up. Oh man, I fucking called this shit. <laughs> it's like there's not even a second wave. The line just goes up. <laughs> I know. I'm just there was no end of the first wave. It's the line just. Like just... We... It was a goes sort up. of flat, and then it's like, doop. <laughs> the line just goes up. Fuck, man. Be a, meanwhile, our fucking governor is like, you know, there's things to the worth worth dying for, like like a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. Fucking kill that dude. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to work at goddamn Wendy's. Yeah, I'm there's, uh, there's going to be a protest in Queen Creek next, next week. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Until I know it's good. Getting out here in the boondocks, huh? Uh-huh. I, I mean, there's like only like three white people or black people in this entire town. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, people of Mexican descent, though. Yeah, that's uh, I guess I'm so, just saying that like that's how pervasive it's gotten. Oh yeah, well, everyone is tired of it. Yeah, 
as they should, very well should be. You can't have fucking the arm of the state coming around killing our people. It's fucking ridiculous. Should have never been allowed. I don't know. It's just like the emblematic of the entire problem in the United States is being crushed by our own system all the time. People are fed up. And yeah, number one COVID cases, unemployment through the roof. People don't got money, can't afford rent, can't feed their families, can't go get a job right now because you kill your family. <laughs> There's no jobs to get. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking. So that's what I mean. It's over for the United States. They, the government went too far this time. They went too far with inaction and shitty reforms. <laughs> never amounted to anything. I don't. I don't. Again, like we've been, we've been further than this before. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I just like. I to, think I think I think we're probably gonna get some real reforms, may, but maybe not in, in with this. These maybe not for like six months. No, fuck that. I shit. think we're gonna have like some long term. Like the protests are gonna be hanging around for like a couple of years at this point. Oh yeah, no, the protests aren't gonna stop until we win. It's time to take go take the country back for us, the peoples of the country. That's right, bottom up hierarchy. No unjust hierarchy, no gods, no kings, no fucking senators and shit. Fuck them. They're all old fucking idiots anyways. You got a ban show calls. That shit's been banned. Fuck you, Joe Biden. <laughs> all right. So um, uh, we watched Surf Nazis Must Die. <laughs> Sometime in the near future, a major earthquake will lay waste to the entire California coastline. From out of the rubble will rise a menace far more terrifying than the death and destruction. Surf Nazis. Who rules the beaches? Who rules the surfers? The beautiful beaches, once the crown jewels of California, are now ruled by ruthless gangs. Only one person is powerful enough, daring enough, brave enough to stop them. Only one person can ensure that surf Nazis must die. She's tough. I want to buy a gun. You're talking like trash, but I'm more interested in something that'll take the head off a honky at 20 paces. She's dangerous. She's all woman. She's Leroy's mama. And as long as she's alive, the surf Nazis must die. First, there was the road warrior. Then there was the Terminator. Now comes an action film of relentless excitement. Taste some of mama's home cooking. See the film that is creating a tidal wave of action all over the world. See, surf Nazis must die. It's for this stupid podcast about stupid movies. It's been a while since we watched a really stupid one, to be honest. This is a really dumb one, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's real dumb. <laughs> it kinda, I, um, I, don't, I, don't, I know I've watched it before, but I do yeah. not remember it well. <laughs> well, I uh, still really like this movie just because I'm a big fan of Troma. Uh, oh, I mean, one, do you remember when they made a uh, Toxic Avenger cartoon for the kids? Yeah, Toxic Crusaders. <laughs> um, and then you, that shit. Yeah, you and should then, watch that movie and tell me how they made that into a fucking kids movie. Well, it's great because um, that's how we found out about Troma was that yeah. cartoon, and then we watched uh, Toxic Avenger, I believe, and the uh, the movie opens up where the the fetus gets thrown over by a car. <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is what we're in for, huh? As kids. Our dad still let us watch it because we just watched whatever when we were kids. And then they grew up totally fine. I don't want to kill pigs. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I don't want to kill the police. Yeah, debatable. 
<laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't know. Oh, muse, sit on my face. Pump sweet licentious songs. That's what I say about Toxic Avenger. <laughs> uh, this one technically, this one's not produced by Troma, though. They just distributed this movie. So it's not like a real, like, uh, Michael Hurst, Lloyd Kaufman joint, as they say. Oh, also, we did do the right thing last week. You talked about Spike Lee. I didn't even realize Spike Lee had another movie coming out. But it came Oh, yeah, out. I forgot he had the, <laughs> the Five Bloods. The Five Bloods came out uh, Friday. Did you watch it yet? No, I haven't seen it. It's all right. Um, performances are great. Shot really well. Um, story's a little bit messy, I think, in my opinion. But it's pretty That's kinda good like, There's a lot of Spike Lee joints that are kind of messy. Yeah, like um, Black Klansman just had like a solidarity of vision that reminded me of do the right thing. So when it came out and last week when we talked on the podcast, I was like, I think, you know, Spike Lee's, he's getting the second wind. It'll be another prime for him. I mean, it's not as sloppy as like Chirac was, but uh, it's not, um, it's not as good as black clans. going to do the right thing. That's for sure. And then also <laughs> he still loves Woody Allen. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> old, old people, Oof. man. <laughs> well, I mean, if you didn't, if if you don't realize that Spike Lee had maybe a little bit of a problem with, with women, then you haven't really watched a Spike Lee movie. Oh yeah, he's got some strong misogynistic tendencies too. Um, that's why you got to separate the art from the art, art from the artist. It's hard though. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, you do, but you don't at the same time. Like, it's still yeah. part of it. You got to accept that. Like, well, especially you know. some of their beliefs are because that shit does. Like, even film. like J.K. Rowling's bullshit creeps into the Harry Potter stuff if you really read into it oh yeah absolutely so i mean like yeah you got to separate the art from the artist but you also have to take the artist for what what they are i think that doesn't that separating the art from the artist doesn't necessarily translate very well to film or well film, i mean film directors specifically i guess because it's always or any of the auteur filmmakers because it's usually like this is my singular vision you're looking gazing into my mind's eye and it's like your mind's eye is a little bit corrupted by misogyny <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can make the same point about most novelists too though because i mean they, yeah. they're really doing it all by themselves you can argue that you know editors are important but it's still not if you're george r, r. martin <laughs> i'm gonna do 20 pages about this buffet fuck off <laughs> I don't know, some I mean, of those, describe these lemon cakes. Oh, God. I want to eat at one of these buffets. Well, yeah, when he these describes feasts. some of the feasts they have, it's like, oh, buttered goose and lamprey or lamprey pie. And so yeah. those, some of this stuff sounds pretty good. Yeah. Frankly, flaky tarts. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that has to do with surf Nazis must die. Yeah, I don't but, know where uh, we got there, but whatever. That's, that's, that's what we do. There's going to be a lot of tangents to this episode, just like the film surf Nazis must die, which keeps forgetting that it, there's what the story is. about. <laughs> <laughs> is there a story? Yeah. The there's um major earthquakes in California tears up the coast. Then the uh, surf gangs start vying for control. The surf Nazis are taking over trying to solidify power but they kill the wrong black man and his mama comes for revenge but then saying it like that makes it seem like it's a real concise like yeah that made sense (laughs) and and those the elements that are all in there it's just uh they choose to focus on random shit and uh, none of the plot elements tie together very well and they kind of forget about uh hey i 100 my issue with this movie is how much they focus on the nazis <laughs> like what yeah like they thought they were cool 
Yeah, I think they're just supposed to be comical. It's just that the costuming is pretty cool for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even necessarily that. It's just like, I don't know. If I'm doing a Surf Nazis Must Die movie, I guess I just would flip some of the... But the problem is none of the characters are really that interesting. Well, none of them are fleshed out at all, you know? Because yeah. the... the I mean, this is one of those movies that's like you're supposed to drink a lot of beer, too. Well, I I, I still it. really like this movie, but the only thing I like about it is um the extended surf scenes with the synth soundtrack. <laughs> like if, if someone just made like the surf cut of Surf Nazis Must Die, so it was like that old '60s movie Endless Summer, you know, <laughs> but with the synth soundtrack, and it's just like people in weird costumes surfing. Like, That's like, something cool. you could probably you can probably get away with on Netflix these days. Hell yeah! That's what I'm into. That's what I like about it. <laughs> But um, this is our first foray into Tromaville. Uh, it's technically not Tromaville, though. Tromaville t- is in New Jersey. And this is in California. Like I said, this is just distributed by Troma. It's not really part of the official Troma canon, exactly. Because they produce movies and distribute a lot of independent movies. Well, not so much anymore, but they used to be big time. So let's talk big about time. Troma... Troma Entertainment is an American independent film production and distribution company founded by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Herz in 1974. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman still all over Twitter promoting his shit all the time in the most random like threads. I'm into it. Yep, he, Uncle Lloyd, he's a crazy man. He was on um, Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs a couple weeks ago promoting uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which is the newest Troma release. I haven't watched it yet. Um, anyhow, Troma produces low-budget independent films, primarily primarily of the horror genre, and many of them play on the 1950s horror with elements of farce, parody, gore, and splatter. It's basically like they're consciously making Ed Wood movies, but um, with a little like bad taste, punk rock, John Waters kind of spirit to them. Yeah. Bad taste. Bad taste. Purpose. Yeah, like intentionally be movies and intentionally offensive and bad taste. Yeah, they have produced, acquired, and distributed over one thousand independent films since its creation. They changed their slogan in twenty fourteen to 40 years of disrupting media," which is pretty good. I think that was their whole. The, um, Lloyd Kaufman himself didn't uh, really want to make movies and stuff he always wanted to be like a writer and do broadway and stuff but <laughs> broadway yeah he just kind of like got into like i'm the toxic avenger here to fuck you on top of this oven well there is a toxic avenger um play yeah. as well uh but he just kind of got into the weird art scene that was developing around independent film and he was like well let's purposely make um disruptive media what would have been considered disruptive for the 70s and 80s. But it's a time period, 70s and 80s, that I enjoy, as do many others, but it is a time period where pretty much anyone can make a movie. So Troma's just got the uh, the, the intentionally bad part of Troma kind of makes it stand out from all the other accidentally bad movies from the same period. <laughs> I think Surf Nazis Must Die is um, unintentionally bad, though. I think the people that made Surf Nazis Must Die thought they were making a thought good they were making like a good yeah. movie. They just didn't really know how to do it, and this is what you got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's you know, it's what bread and butter for Mr. Science Theater. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that fits into the 50s era B-movie like splatter shit, right? Yep. I guess it's probably an odd choice for our first trauma movie. But, I mean, we're going to talk about Toxic Avenger uh, soon anyways. We'll talk more about trauma and Lloyd Kaufman and stuff. This one technically doesn't count. But it does have a surfing in it, and it's summertime. So, summertime movies. <laughs> shit. Nothing says summertime like uh, Nazis on a rampage. Do the right thing. It's summertime then too, man. Yeah, There's a lot of shit out there. Nothing but summertime movies. It's gonna be a hot summer. Uh, so they, yeah, B movies. Uh, they make B movies known for their surrealistic or automatistic nature, along with their use of shocking imagery. Some would categorize them as shock exploitation films. I, that sounds about right. Um, I do like uh, the use of automatistic to describe the movies because there is a very like loose subconscious free associative nature to a lot of the trauma movies where like um it's purposely written where it's like oh this happens but what if this could happen okay it does and then this happened okay this can happen too where they just kind of like throw shit into it um yeah. where uh, like american which, horror story yeah uh, th- unfortunately that's not um how surf nazis must die operates exactly like I said, usually trauma is much more intentional with what they're doing. Um, like they're just trying to push the envelope of like what makes a coherent story or what puts scenes together or how over the top certain scenes can be, that sort of thing. Or they're consciously doing it or subconsciously or consciously tapping into the idea of just letting shit happen. I think it's like I said, Serve Nazis Must Die is just uh, they had a shitty script and not very much money didn't exactly know how to make a movie oh, yeah it's of- <laughs> a shitty script not a lot of money and a bunch of people who did not know how to make movies yeah which is i mean that's kind of trauma too but there's there's a certain um intellectualism to the way trauma did, or there's a philosophy in action what do you mean you're saying there's no like uh internalization and surf nazis must die no <laughs> i i don't think so just like the the most surface level like nazis bad don't kill black people, but maybe Nazis surf cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's Nazis cool. sex good? I am. <laughs> yeah, so your typical trauma fair is going to contain some overt sexuality, nudity, and intentionally sadistic, gory, and blatant graphic violence. Very cartoony stuff. Cartoony prosthetics and things like that. A lot of goo and stuff. You know, the class of Newcomb High, Toxic Avenger. There's a lot of uh, dealing with toxic waste and ooze and shit in Tromaville. Doesn't come into play so much in Surf Nazis must die. Uh, I mean, just whatever's oozing off the Nazis. Fucking pure, unadulterated goofball. <laughs> <laughs> um, their Troma films is so closely associated with these sort of elements of filmmaking that... Um, Trauma has sort of become a term itself that's synonymous with these characteristics. But I think that's for people that don't know what camp is. They'd be oh, like, oh this seems like a trauma movie. Oh, you mean like, you know, camp? I thought everybody knew what camp was now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nah, not at all. People call things camp a lot of the time, but it doesn't seem like they know what they're talking about. Um, and trauma reuses the same props, actors, and scenes repeatedly. Uh, the quote here says, sometimes to save money, 
Well, I'd say oftentimes to save money. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually they do lean into it where they are purposely um, reshooting the same exact scenes from different movies and then having the same characters show up. But that's like more when they be, the trauma becomes more of its own like self-aware. Oh, God. Yeah, more like film universe, I guess. But it's always like simple shit. Like you can see Toxie in the background of the sequel to Class of Newcomb High, the most recent sequel. It's not like fucking Justice team up Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High and shit. <laughs> That'd be pretty good though. Maybe they will do that. <laughs> have Tromeo in it. Um, so uh, there's Troma films actually work with a staggeringly large number of uh, successful actors and creators, and we're just gonna name off some of them. So uh, Carmen Electra, who appears in The Chosen One. Got, uh, <laughs> a famous actress. Well, I'm famous personality, celebrity personality. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, who was in Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town. I'm going to blade, I'll call Sling Blade. <laughs> Vanna White in Graduation Day. <laughs> Still, her day will come. <laughs> Kevin Costner in Sizzle Beach, USA. Oh, that fucker. J.J. Abrams in Night Beast. <laughs> Yeah, Samuel Jackson in Death by Temptation. He's working with everybody. Uh, Marissa Tomei in The Toxic Avenger. I believe it's actually her first on-screen role. Oh, I remember her. That's when I developed my first crush <laughs> on Marissa Tomei. Also, I just saw The King of Staten Island last night. Well, I watched that um, yesterday, too. It's pretty good. Oh, no, I watched it. I guess that was today, technically. Uh, you, it's your timeline. You tell me. I don't know. It was, oh, you know, it was today. It was like 6 in the morning I watched it. That was today. Um, I thought it was all right. Judd Apatow is like, man, I don't care for his style of filmmaking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of, you kind of know what you're getting into, so it's what I was expecting. Yeah, this is what I was expecting, but I was, it's also just like, oh, I guess I'm not into this anymore. No. I like Pete Davidson a lot, though. I just don't think he's utilized very well in anything I've seen him in, even Saturday Night Live or anything. I don't even know why I like him, man. <laughs> he just seems like um funny. He seems like he'd be fun. Yeah, he, he does. He just seems like he'd be chill to hang out with. Um, uh, so May, um, Michael, um, Michael J. White. He's in Tox Avenger Part Two. That's Black Dynamite and Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent Don Dion Don Vincent D'Onofrio is in the first turn on. Uh, David Boreanaz, remember Angel? <laughs> he's in uh, um, you mean bones or he's in bones right is he bones or he's in bones, bones but, is the girl yeah i don't know that's like cbs shit for old people yeah exactly he's um, rich as fuck he's gotta be uh, and um trey parker and matt stone sort of the cannibal the musical that like first shit they made mm-hmm. that was distributed by trauma and produced by trauma actually yeah well so thanks for that one trauma yeah well, you know and then, uh, of course, uh, famously, I think most famously, I think most people are aware of it, James Gunn. Yeah. And James Gunn is like, um, deep, he was deep into trauma, like not just these other guys, like one-offs and shit. James Gunn wrote Tromeo and Juliet. He was like a PA when he was a, like a late teenager for trauma films he's like super good friends with uh, lloyd kaufman and his brother and like you know I mean, he's like deep in trauma lore i guess that explains his pedophile jokes on twitter because 
that they were definitely like in line with trauma shit to be honest <laughs> <laughs> that's okay he's still doing it he's doing it he's, he's back now he's back better than ever with um the suicide squad yeah we'll see if he utilizes pete davidson correctly pete davidson's in it yeah you know who's he play king I shark know. i don't fucking no he's not king shark i'm oh. king shark they didn't tell you Oh no, we getting that money, huh? No, yeah. I'm doing it for a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Academy Award winning director Oliver Stone made his debut as an actor in a trauma film called The Battle of Love's Return. <laughs> Explains about all of Oliver Stone's movies. <laughs> He's a pretty weird guy too, yeah. Uh, in 1985, trauma had a hit with the violent comedy horror super film The Toxic Avenger. I'm not familiar. It went on became their most popular, and it spawned several sequels and an animated television program. Uh, unfortunately, there was a financial downturn and demise of the company Troma itself. So uh, the sequels are box office bombs. Cartoon adaptation quickly ended. But Toxic- I had some toys, though. <laughs> yep, and Toxic Avenger, Toxie as he's known, is the uh, official mascot of Troma. And uh, due to financial hardships, the majority of Tron's films are viewed today for the first time on VHS or DVD, with some theatrical releases for their films in smaller art houses, college campuses, and independent cinemas. This is uh, relatively true. Up until about a year ago, um, there is now a Troma Now streaming site where you can watch Troma movies. And it's awesome. Check it out. Kizza says, check it out. And I'm still... Still in Joe Bob's lens. <laughs> He's got, he can't be around forever. <clears throat> He's got to be replaced eventually. And you're looking at him. Or hearing him. You can't really see him right Oh, yeah, now. yeah. I yeah like, I mean, this is a podcast. But. Hey, Joe Bob, I like that yeehaw shit, too. It's okay. Uh, also, having said that about uh, only occasionally getting theatrical releases, and then now it's only on streaming or DVD and shit, uh, that's um, uh, most films. Uh, studios <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and uh at this point i guess probably all of them yeah i don't think the theater industry is coming back from this nah there's already like teetering on the knife's edge anyways it's cool though because um i better better films seem to do they get a lot much more word of mouth when they're more accessible which is my whole thing is like i'm tired of talking to people about marvel movies marvel movies are trash i don't give a fuck but i want to talk to people about birdcage what a, what a birdhouse. What was it called? Bird Box. Oh, no, I meant more like Uncut Gems. <laughs> like it being released on Netflix made it yeah. so it was like people were actually talking about it and stuff. Not like the Sandman, you know, though. Sandman. What do you mean? He just every you know decade he does a good movie, every good performance, and then he just goes back to go being on vacation with his friends for a movie. <laughs> I get it. It's a good lifestyle. I'm telling you, I got to hooked up with the Sandman. Yeah, it's good work. I, I don't want to hang out with Terry Crews in uh, New Zealand for six weeks. I don't want to hang out with Terry Crews. That dude seems annoying. Oh, whatever. I'll hang out with anybody at this point. I'll hang out with Kevin off. James. Kevin James is pretty funny. He's Paul Blart. <laughs> Whoa. Those I'll are two say. things no one ever said together. You know, remember um, Seth Rogen had a mall cop movie? Yeah, Observant Report. Yeah, that movie's actually really good. I was going to say I like that one. Yeah, it ends really weird. It's the, the darkest movie of all time. Yeah, the ending is uh, most likely a cipher similar to like the taxi driver right. theory, where he probably that actually probably isn't what happened. It's just his since he's off his medication. It's just what he um, imagines to happen. 
I don't know. Check, observe and report. Check it out. It uh, like even it went under even my radar at the time. Even though I was even at that point, I was hell into seeing movies. And I eventually caught it a couple years later. And like, no fucking observe and report is a good movie. It's dark as shit, and um, still funny at the same time. I don't know. Kizza says, check it out. Uh, nowadays, Trone Films um has is mostly distributing independent releases from third parties and uh, uncle lloyd encourages independent filmmaking he'll make cameo appearances in low budget horror films uh without a fee and then um his famously he does appear in uh slither and guardians of the galaxy because james gunn is his like protege of sorts i guess james gunn's probably Technically, a better filmmaker than Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> the student has become the master. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Lloyd Kaufman is a cool guy. Troma is cool. Um, like I said, they did have uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm. Yeah, Shakespeare's Shitstorm that came out this year it might have technically been the end of 2019 which is the the this is like the first trauma lloyd kaufman trauma produced and released movie since like i want to say 2017 2016 when they re they did return to the class of newcomb high i'm surprised they haven't done like a toxic avenger reboot at this point like at one point recently within the last few years there was gonna be like um big budget Toxic Avenger remake. Uh, I don't think it ever... <laughs> Marissa Tomei could still reprise her role. Yeah, she still looks the same pretty much. She's um Aunt May, right? They could do Spider-Man crossover. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> be weird. Uh, yeah, I mentioned at the top of the show, most of the Troma Entertainment films take place in the fictional New Jersey city of Tromaville, known as the toxic chemical capital of the world. And then there's also a post-apocalyptic Tromaville that takes place in um, a, nymphoid, a nymphoid barbarian in Dinosaur Hell, which I haven't seen, but I'm going to check that one out. <laughs> That's a crazy title. I don't think yeah. I should watch that one. That one's, that one's like, that one's is like super grindhouse-y, like softcore, dancing to psychedelic music. Is that woman actually having an orgasm on screen or is she faking it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those sort of uh, old 70s grindhouse movies. We will talk more about Troma and Lloyd Kaufman in a future episode, several future episodes, because we're definitely going to watch more Troma movies. I'm a big fan of Troma, which I'm sure isn't shocking to anyone who's listened to any other episodes of this podcast. But what about Surf Nazis Must Die? Who directed this film? Some guy named Peter George. He hasn't done anything else. I don't know. I can yeah, well, it. hey, when you do something like Surf Nazis Must Die, you don't have to do anything else. One and done. Yeah, it's, he's he really dropped the mic on Like Lee story, Harper. Right? <laughs> yeah. To uh, kill a mockingbird. <laughs> Go set a. What was the. No, name? don't talk about that. The sequel Go set a watch. Watchman, yeah. Came like lightning out of a clear sky. Isn't that what C.S. Lewis said about Lord of the Rings or some shit? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's what they said about Peter George's Surf Nazis Must Die. Then just as soon as he'd arrived, he arrived, he was gone. <laughs> Roger Ebert. It was a real Re- Moses parting the Red Sea moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, writers of the movie, this Peter George guy again, and a man named John Ayer. I, is, um, you're giving a lot of credit by calling writers. 
someone had to write down like, and then um, we find out Adolf is actually named Ricky Johnson. <laughs> if there's that wasn't some, a, there's some good shit in there. There's a couple like there's some some layers here. You can tell like there's some nuggets that you could have actually made a movie out of this shit. Yeah, I think maybe I think there. It's just I'm convinced they had no time, no budget, and it's like we got to slide this shit together. <laughs> we got a weekend. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, John Ayer, just as enigmatic as Peter George. I have no clue who this man is. And as far as the cast goes, the uh, only person of note is Gail Neely, who plays uh, Irma Mama Washington. Uh, she has a short, short-lived career after Surf Nazis Must Die. Um, she's in like the Naked Gun sequels and stuff, so good for her. Yeah. So, yeah, she got some work out of Surf Nazis Must Die. And then, uh, so I'm glad someone did. Yeah, uh, I do want to make a special note. I forgot to write down the guy's name, but it doesn't matter because he's only in Surf Nazis Must Die. Uh, the guy that plays Mangala, I actually he does a pretty good job. He's got quite a presence that he could have seen. He absolutely could have gone to be like a pretty good character actor, I think. Yeah, uh, well, I'll say a pretty okay character actor. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He's definitely the most impressive out of everybody of the Surf Gangs, you know. He's the best person in the movie. <laughs> but it's hard him. to say, like, like, yeah, what he's actually capable of. Maybe That's he true. just plays a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, maybe he could only get. be, uh, he could only just be a fucking surf Nazi guy. I'm gonna go look at. I'm looking at his uh, filmography here because he's also in Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bullorama, which is a fun movie. I'll probably watch that eventually. He's in a movie called Debbie Does Damnation, which is a sequel to Debbie Does Dallas, I'm sure. <laughs> and then there's also um, Terrors from the Clit, too. Wow. And Wally Wanker's Candy Factory. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me, Kyle? He started doing um, porn. Whoa, hold on here. What's going on here? He is in the Radioactive Chicken Heads show. Do you know who the Radioactive Chicken Heads are? Uh-uh. Uh, oh, he's oh he's got a movie coming out called The Holy Horrors and Heretics: The Secret Life of Mary Magdalene. That sounds like some hard hitting Scorsese shit. <laughs> Wait, say the title again: Holy Horrors and Heretics: The Secret Life of Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I'm sure it's some hard hitting shit, all right. Yeah, it's dealing with the the truth of Catholic faith and sexuality. It's Ray Liotta's mm-hmm. in it. It's Scorsese. I, first of all, I didn't know the Radioactive Chicken Heads had a show. And then it's weird that this guy's in it. So, anyways, Radioactive Chicken Heads are kind of like a little brother band to Guar. Well, they're not super associated with Guar, but members of Radioactive Chicken Heads have worked with dudes in, in Guar, and like there's some crossover. And the Radioactive Chicken Heads are another like theatrical, like goofy cartoon sort of band. Mm-hmm. They're more obviously maybe a little bit more kid friendly, I guess you could say, than Guar. They don't like simulate suicide on stage with fake blood and shit, you know. But are they still like, you know, throwing piss on people and shit? Probably not. I mean, Guar doesn't even do that. Guar just has a bunch of fake blood. Guar is more like Gallagher than they are Gigi Allen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the dudes in the radioactive chicken heads, I believe, is uh, an editor for Funhouse, that YouTube channel. So, like, they're not doing great 
Because <laughs> 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 he's got a day job and shit. But <laughs> I think they're pretty interesting. They're definitely well in line with um, trauma sort of style of aesthetics and art so i guess it's an interesting crossover i wonder if there's like a purposeful surf nazis must die i don't know we're way far afield like with some sort of fucking surf nazis must die movie uh this is a synopsis on imdb when the son of a gun-wielding woman is murdered by neo-nazi surf punks in the post-apocalyptic future his mama hunts him down for some bloodthirsty revenge which is technically the plot of the movie but um, it's a real strange gallop to get there. There's a lot of scenes of uh, weirdos surfing to synth music. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say this is one of the best synth soundtracks of all time. Yeah, no, it's it um, it is like up there. It's with, definitely a, a straight up '80s synth field. How uh, how more people are don't uh, harken back to this amazing soundtrack? I don't know. Probably <laughs> because the movie itself was fucking terrible. Well, it's because um, the only people that have the opportunity to incorporate um, 80s synth music are uh, these uh, bloodless nerds I've talked about before, like the guys that make Stranger Things that like um, have never given a woman an orgasm. They've never done fentanyl, nothing like that. <laughs> They're not you know cool. Like party I don't, guys. Yeah, I'm pass on the fentanyl. We're, we can skip the fentanyl part. Never smoked the gel off a of fentanyl patch. Um, no, but I wow. mean they are, they are they are just these nerds that have the stranglehold on the industry, and they're just like all copying a uh, Tangerine Dream and John Carpenter. And they don't realize there's a hidden gem in here, secret hidden gem. Surf Nazis Must Die soundtrack. <laughs> Not familiar with it. Surf Nazis Must Die is a little bit too hardcore for them. They're just like, no, I just only watch E.T. and Star Wars. Now I make movies. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> so John Carpenter, famously, the, everyone knows the Halloween score. But John Carpenter's probably my two favorite scores are The Fog and Assault on Precinct 13. And I think the score for Surf Nazis Must Die is better. Better than The Fog. Mm, pretty close to Assault on Precinct 13. So that's the reason why this movie rules. <laughs> this movie gets a 10 out of 10 just because of the score. <laughs> no, I'm not giving it. <laughs> All right, 9 out of 10 because everything no. else is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> score was made by a man named John McCallum. Uh, heavy use of synthesizers, of course. And then the soundtrack did have an official vinyl release by Strange Disc Records in 2014 with cover artwork. Also designed by McCallum. That might be something I try to pick up. I only get very few uh, pieces of vinyl, like the weird shit. I think that that one's probably got to be rare too. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find it. I'll probably the same place I got um, more of the worlds and shit at. So if you can believe it, and I know that you can, (laughs) Surf Nazis Must Die was criticized by reviewers as boring and hard to follow. Ooh. I mean, like, I was prepared for it when I started to watch it because I, you know, it's a movie called Surf Nazis Must Die and it's from Troma. So you kind of expect some, some, uh, yeah, like what could really be going on here. <laughs> right. But, uh, it's real hodgepodgey. Yeah, it's a mess. It's like not even, like I said, like the intentional mess of a normal trauma film. It's just like not 
people didn't have any idea what they were doing kind of mess. Yeah, I, I really feels like you know, they did have a weekend they filmed as much as they could and they're like you know what let's we'll patch it together yeah the movie's made in the edit i mean uh it's not as bad as um ghoulies no no it's not hmm. ghoulies is like fun and so ghoulies well you know the ghoulies has a way better villain the Ghoulies is like uh, more like a regular movie, though. It's just like yeah. a bad kind of screwball, everyday, middle-of-the-road movie, right? That's the Ghoulies. This one's like they didn't know how to make movies exactly, and parts of it are like approaching art house on accident, and then <laughs> yeah. other parts of it are just like a mess. Like some of the surfing shots and the long takes with like out-character dialogue – and then are like really interesting and shot really well. And there's a scene where Adolf and Mangala are arguing in that blown out like um air. Oh yeah. That was like the only good shot in the entire movie. And the camera's really far back and there's pits of fire and they're just silhouetted in smoke arguing with each other. And I was like, what the fuck is this doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, that, that shot was amazing to me. That was like better than every single shot that's in the entirety of game of thrones and i mentioned game of thrones specifically because remember the last season when they had that scene where there's just little torches like they're supposed to be in the distance but it looks like it's 30 feet and you can't see shit and like they did the shots just so bad i fucking hate that shot but this reminded me of it and i was like oh you could because when that episode, done something good <laughs> when that episode came out i immediately was like there's like two things you could do to fix this scene <clears throat> but because uh, Game of Thrones is such a bad show and it's never looked good, I don't care what season it is, it never looks like good. <laughs> no, I'll, I agree with you. It never was well shot. No. Um, but this reminded me of it because this is like something they were trying to achieve on Game of Thrones with their millions of fucking dollars. These guys did it probably with like fucking $10,000. <laughs> so yeah, uh, money can't buy you love is what I'm trying to say. Money can't buy you class. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Or talent or something. No, I mean, money can buy you class. could probably buy you talent. Money can buy you class. I don't know about talent. I guess if you get... <clears throat> Not your own talent. You can buy someone else's talent. Oh. For you. Use, yeah, or you um do like the... Uh, you just hire someone to train you. I guess that's mm, not talent, though. That's, that's not just talent. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't behavior. know. There's a, you probably learn a certain bit. I don't know. It's all bullshit anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Burn it all down. That's right. It's acting. And, uh, you know the, the I like that they what did they have like some um, stock footage of some buildings and it's burning and they're like let's just throw that in there. Yeah, and like the the stock footage of firefighters like putting out a dumpster fire. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah. We gotta have there's like we gotta show civil unrest. All right, let's cut in some random bullshit. Yeah, Let's, oh, no. we'll have him hang a guy from the pier. <laughs> yeah. When, the, when they hang that dude, he's not even like tied up or anything. His legs are just hooked over it. <laughs> they just bullied him into doing wow, it. They, they really rasped me today, guy. <laughs> they made me not unhook my legs. The, the craziest thing to me is the, the scene when like the, like the kind of like um, tie-dye, like preppy surfers jump out of the the ocean and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, these guys can actually fight. Yeah. <laughs> that one dude who like comes out of like uh, all tensed up and like does like a, a cavalry kick or whatever and he kicks the knife out of the dude's hands. I was like, whoa, holy shit. <laughs> then he gets, he gets stabbed in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all the little uh, surf gangs are fucking stupid too. 
It's like they're trying to do the Warriors. I'm racist. Like, yeah, it's like they're trying to do a Warriors thing, but like they didn't even put enough thought into that. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be enough of the Surf Nazis for them to be able to overpower the other gangs. Because like when um, they don't seem to be enough of the Surf Nazis to overpower anyone. Yeah. Why no are they a threat to the local community? It <laughs> seems like a bunch of old ladies with purses could beat the shit out of them. <laughs> There's they only, have a fucking harpoon gun for Christ's sake. There's also only like five of them. It's like not a strong gang. No. When whenever and goes, they're all cosplaying as fucking Nazi war criminals. When uh, Eva goes to meet with the biker dude who's selling drugs or whatever, and she goes in that biker bar, it's like that was that biker gang can absolutely stump out the Nazis. There's like thirty people just at the bar, and there's only like fucking five Nazis. <laughs> it's just Yo, those Nazis are hard, okay? No, they're not. They the <laughs> Joe. His name's Ricky Thompson. They're obviously just little suburban bitches like Smeg. I'm just pretending. Except for Adolf's like 50 years old. Why is he hanging out with those kids? <laughs> you know why. Yeah, he's a creep. He's trying to eat his ass on the beach. And she's like, no. But Not here. Like, okay. He's like, come on. I gotta eat it. I'm so psyched up by the violence. And she's like, you know what? Me too. That's true love. Is it? <laughs> it can be for some people. I don't know. I don't know what people are into. Um, yeah, acting, dialogue, and camera, camera work were widely panned. Uh, Janet Maslin wrote, not even the actors' relatives will find this interesting. <laughs> oh, shit. And then our old friend Roger Ebert stated that he walked out of the film after 30 minutes. So I, he, he missed all the best shit. I don't think he saw... Um, the last 30 minutes, is, it makes the most sense. Yeah, that's where it all comes together. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> that weird chase sequence makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it's so bad. All right, she's at the bunker. She throws the grenades in, and then she mm-hmm. runs away. And they chase her. Right? Is that what happens? Back to the no. The- Adolf and Ava run away. Well, they are running away, but then she goes back to the nursing home for some reason. Right to get and a then, gun, it seems like. Yeah, why didn't she bring it? I don't know. I don't know. And then Ava and Adolf pull up like they're gonna get her, but she has. How do they know she was there though? So I don't know. <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> There's also a scene earlier on where they somehow know both their names and a bunch of information about them, but they don't explain where they got that from. Maybe from those uh, what are those fucking kid surf bum gang called? Oh, yeah, the rap boys or whatever. Yeah, the little squirts. <laughs> maybe they, because they got their ear to the beach, so maybe they told them. Uh, That's you know what I mean. Like one hundred percent. There's like some. There's like a cool setup here, like a cool setting. If you throw away the Nazi part, you know, and like the it's like the surf gang idea, and these kids are like the the the, the voice of the street or the um um. Well, I've lost my train of thought. But you know what I'm getting at? You know, it's like there's something here. They just didn't do anything with it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, elements of Mad Max and then like the Warriors. Uh, if you put those two things together, you might have a pretty cool movie. But what if you put those two things together and you only got about $10,000? You've never written a screenplay before. <laughs> you don't I have feel access like I, I could to do better than this. I feel like you could do better than this. What are you doing? If I can do better than you, I don't want to see it. They're just having fun. I, there's not really much fun about this. Movie, out though. here having fun. That's my problem. Is like a movie California about killing surf fun. Nazis should be fun, but it's not that fun. We spend yeah, too much time hanging out with the surf Nazis. Yeah, that's the big problem. Is there's not enough like Nazi death. It'd be cool if like 
there was a, a ragtag group of people resisting the surf Nazis, and most of the movie was just them like violently killing the Nazis in comical ways, right? Right. Now they were learning about the day to day operations of the surf Nazis, <laughs> which, which apparently are fucking pointless. Yeah, they don't really do shit. They're not selling drugs or anything. What are they? They're taking purses from old ladies and shit. I don't even know. Yeah, it sounds like they're, 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 they're committing petty crimes and then giving it to a pawn shop to mm-hmm. as the the to sell them and then collecting the money from the pawn shop, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Oof, criminal masterminds. Yeah, I can see why the the local neighborhood is terrified with these guys. I don't know. I'm sure uh, the first draft uh, or the the first big idea for the movie didn't. Uh, have them. Like, what if we uh, the nurse Nazis are just five uh, losers on the beach that <laughs> I think they kind of just had to come to terms with what they could do. <laughs> and a bunch of little kids to dress up in like rags and, and skateboard skateboard under an overpass. I mean, for like probably half a day. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I'm just saying you can hire some assholes to put nah, you can, on the face for half a day. Yeah, you could trick kids into doing it for pretty cheap. Um, it probably didn't have parental guidance, parental permission to be in the film. <laughs> Adults, you got to pay them to show up. They spent all that budget. They spent all the budget for extras on the biker bar scene. Yeah, um, these guys that played the bikers are like, oh, we're not going to dress up as Nazis. <laughs> fuck that <laughs> shit. Except for uh, bikers, usually are cracker yeah. or racist. <laughs> so fuck them too. More like Klansmen though. I, don't I guess know, there's that whole German uh, fucking motif that bikers get into. I don't know. They're all the hillbilly cracker shit. Yeah, the Hell's Angels always shit. have Confederate oh, flags shit, right? and shit. Well, fuck them. Yeah. The Oakland Hell's Angels with their Confederate flags. You yeah, fucking assholes. Fucking bitch ass motherfuckers in Oakland. <clears throat> Down in Oakland. Still operate around there, too. It's crazy. Well, unfortunately, there's a reason why this movie has surf Nazis in it, and it's about surf Nazis. That's right. <clears throat> we will now talk about real life surf Nazis. Bum bum bum. <clears throat> Even in the liberal coastal elite stronghold of California, the youths in the 1950s and 60s chose to adopt the swastika as a symbol of the rebel surf subculture. They even adopted the term surf Nazis and the sea heel sal- salute. By the 80s, the surf Nazis were so prevalent and well-known in California, it led inspiration to making this film. Um, so uh, I mentioned this previously when we were talking about the Ramones, like how um, in the early punk scene it was like, uh, I'm going to wear a swastika to piss off my dad who fought in the war. There's like a childish rebellion nature to it. It's a little bit different there, though, because that was like the New York art scene and a lot of them were Jewish yeah, so <laughs> it's a little bit different. I feel like you could kind of get away with it if you're Jewish, but not even then. I'm still like, well, you're kind of a fucking idiot. Well, it's kind of a different time sort of thing, is how I look at it. I guess. Yeah, I know it's hard to judge people, but I mean, if honestly, if by 1980 you're um you're throwing up swastikas and shit, you, you need to think rethink your life. Yeah, dad, just, dad, dad is dad fought in the war 40 years ago. Come on, yeah. What well, are you doing? The, if it's because I mean, like, yeah, like the fucking. Civil rights movement was you'd already seen to be plagued by far right extremists, and then the neo Nazi movement was blowing up in the late seventies, early eighties. You, you know what I mean? It's not at that point. It's not like some weird juvenile act of rebellion. It's obviously it's extreme political. It's still, a fucking problem. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, 
the situation in California was a little bit different than the punk scene in the 70s. The first commercially made surfboards sold in California in the 1930s had swastikas burned into their tails and were marketed as the swastika model by Pacific System Homes of Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeesh. In the 1915 edition of Search for Surf, a series of surf movies by Greg Knoll, it included Californian surfers in Nazi stormtrooper uniforms riding flexi flyers in a storm drain while friends held up the Third Reich flag. Huh, getting a little, little extreme there. <laughs> Interesting. I don't and yeah, like these guys. Greg Knoll's uh, response to that was the same sort of thing as uh, um, the, the punk thing where uh, we just said to piss people off. If people didn't like the third right flag, then we put two flags in and blah, blah, blah. But we'll, we'll come back to Greg Knoll in that show. I don't, I don't, there's, <laughs> a point, there's a part of me that's like, well, what's the point of just pissing people off? I mean, that's what people I, would do when they're like 14, right? Is yeah, I don't still go on the internet it. and try to make people mad or whatever. Uh, the movement was bolstered by inf- influential surfing icon, a loner, hedonist, and renegade surfer, Miki Dora, a.k.a. Decat. Uh, he used to paint a swastika on his surfboard. And surf Nazi graffiti, including swastikas, also appeared around the beach at Malibu, in California. This is also as well as Huntington, Ventura, Venice, and areas of Orange County, which uh, to this day luckily have no issues with race. Those definitely aren't the most racist places in California. <laughs> aside from like, what, fucking Redwood City or fucking Jefferson. What is the 51st state of Jefferson? Where that shit is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mountains in Northern California are pretty fucking Yeah, well, you too. know where the, the rest of the Northwest has creeped down. Oh, yeah. So here's Greg Knoll again. Uh, for the first time ever, you had a group of guys that didn't give a rat's ass, dropping out of the basketball team or the football team and just giving the whole thing the finger going, Oh, oh man, I'm such that. a rebel dropping out of the basketball team. Oh, <laughs> fuck you, Dad. I'm not going to play power forward. I don't give a shit about that. I want to go surfing. So, yeah, pretty much. What the fuck is the you know, Honestly, man, you're, there's not really a big difference between playing basketball all day and, play, and surfing all day. I did both. I don't. I'd rather play basketball because you don't get a sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to wear a t-shirt. No, that's for nerds. No, that's for people who don't want skin cancer. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> uh, identifying as a surf Nazi in their eyes was their devotion to surfing. They identified more with their fellow surfing tribe than the mainstream government, commercial society, and social norms like careers, wealth, and possessions. I mean, that's cool, but what's with the Nazi shirt? They wanted to get a rise out of mainstream society, not to condone Nazism. But what's the difference? Well, <laughs> do I have news for you? So the that first section there where um, they wanted to you know, move away from the mainstream government, commercial society, and social norms like careers, wealth, possessions, uh, that is obviously how I live my life. But I uh, do not associate any of that with Nazism for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's how how strange. Like fascism doesn't really go hand in hand with any of that. Yeah, and then it's weird when someone would uh, put swastika and Nazism attached to that and try to act like that's somehow uh, um, uh, rebelling against uh, uh, codified, controlled uh, mainstream society. Right? It's almost like uh, maybe they. Uh, they 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 were racist. <laughs> no, kids in Southern California. I don't think so. Well, let's find out more. 
So keep in mind, listeners, uh, this is they just these just uh, boys palling around, you know, rejecting society, giving the middle finger to their dads who fought in the war, saying "up yours, Nixon" or whatever the fuck they're trying to do. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a TV series called Gidget uh, that was oh, on yeah. late sixties, early seventies. It's a TV series about a young woman learning to surf. Uh, this TV show was very popular and it caused a boom in surf fashion. Lots of people learning to surf coming to surf, coming to local beaches, blah, blah, blah. Type of stuff that caused surf Nazis to become more aggressive and territorial toward kooks. Kooks, obviously, uh, dweebs that don't really know how to surf yet. So they lobbied endless criticism at the TV show, you know, standards, counterculture, anger versus adoption by the mainstream type shit, right? So, oh, man, you fucking poser-ass Gidget. You Gidget want to be coming out here, blah, blah, blah. So it still falls in line with what they're saying, right? No one in a subculture wants that shit to be adopted for monetization in the mainstream, right? That shit sucks. Falling along so far. Yes. Well, Miki Dora, who I mentioned earlier, and the Malibu crew, who basically, uh, they, they were the surf Nazis, they eventually figured out that uh, Kathy Koner, the real-life inspiration for the character Gidget, was Jewish. Her father, Frederick Koner, fled Nazi Germany for California, and when his daughter took up surfing, wrote the novel that became the film and the TV series. A member of the Malibu crew responded to news about the Koners' ethnicity by, you guessed it, spray painting a swastika on their driveway. Seems like this is all about just you giving the middle finger to mainstream culture, right? Yeah, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> that's that's definitely not a hate crime or anything. <laughs> fuck you, Dad. I hate Jews because of you. Jeez. And then, um, to you know, drive the point a little bit further for our more dense listeners. According to the book, All for a Few Perfect Waves, the audacious life and legend of rebel surfer Miki Dora, who once again, he's kind of leader of the Malibu scene, leader of the surf Nazis. This book is written by David Renson. Uh, Doran often used racial slurs and advised advise acquaintances to put all their money in gold before Mexicans and blacks poured over the borders and ruined the economy. Oh, my God. While serving... He, he's a Fox News viewer. <laughs> yeah. While serving prison time, Dora, who had been conv- convicted of both check and credit card fraud, uh, wrote to a friend that he loved American Nazis, and Dora eventually relocated to apartheid-era South Africa. <laughs> what a guy. You know what? I hope he got eaten by a great white shark. Oh, we got one. Hold on. <laughs> Famed surfboard designer Dale Velzi told uh, Mr. Renson, the man who wrote the book about uh, Miki Dora, that he recalled Dora boasting in that period, I have a black man who wakes me up in the morning, gives me my orange juice, gives me my robe, carries my board to the beach. Everybody ought to live in Africa. I have a coolie for everything I do. Oh, fuck. Everyone should own a coolie. In a later letter, as the anti-apartheid movement grew, Dora wrote that black South Africans were flesh eaters, adding, give these guys the rights and you'll get white man jerky for export. So, uh, which is just a uh, surf Nazi, just a little anti-establishment thing. It didn't have anything to do with being a Nazi, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. You can be anti-establishment without <laughs> doing it with, with Nazism. I do it right now. That's what the podcast is about. Also, uh, Nazism is fucking is a wing of establishment. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's, it's just another kind of, of establishment. Uh, I bring that up now um, because it provide context for the film. 
Like when the film came out, lots of people in California would have understood what surf Nazis were. This was like a legitimate <clears throat> um, sort of scene in the surf ghettos in California. <clears throat> For those not familiar, um, because of like redlining in uh, California, all the coastal property was closed off from uh, the black community, of course. There wasn't any black people living on the coast. Uh, but uh, for some reason, a lot of these places, the housing was still relatively cheap. So <clears throat> a lot of the coastal communities were um, surf ghettos. So it's poor, trashy, shitty white people at surf and um, be criminals and stuff. And uh, some of them haven't been Nazis. It's uh, still perpetuated in these areas, obviously. There's plenty of other areas in California. There was um, uh, the two lynchings that just took place. Yeah. In California, no, those are suicides. No, no, uh, no foul play here. <clears throat> Why did a black man go outside and hang himself from a tree? It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, so Palmdale, California, is known for its uh, KKK presidents, presidents, and its presidents. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know who's coming from Palmdale. It's a president. I mean, it's still out there. And then the, the thing is, uh, the, a lot of times these like fascist little pricks. These pussy ass little racist crackers and shit. They like to play like loose and cute with what they're doing, right? Or the, the, the like they won't ever just straight up like, oh yeah, I'm a Nazi or I I'm a racist. Or they say shit like all lives matter, bullshit like that. You know. What <laughs> what I mean? So you just fucking you're being willfully obtuse. You're you're being dumb as shit just to fucking because oh you're not brave enough because if you express your true opinions you might get fucking slaps in the face. Like if you get, you must not really believe that shit. Then it sounds like you're scared. Looks, your beliefs look like fear to me. If any of you pussies are listening, I think you're afraid. That's all you are. You're just pissing fear. I mean, at this point, I can't imagine there's not many of them still listening. <clears throat> so all what it looks like. That's what mainstream masculinity looks like to me. So racism looks like to me. That's what support of the Republican, usually Democratic Party, looks like to me. Shit, all looks like fear. All look like pussies to me. I'll fight you all on the streets. Come get some. Come through. I don't give a fuck. So if Nazis must die. <laughs> <clears throat> that said, um, I did watch the Five Bloods, which I mentioned. Uh, when I was growing up, um, my friend Terrell, his dad used to come to our class a lot and help out and take us on like on field trips when we need parents to come. And Terrell's dad was like super stylish, cool. Um, like he was like a pretty young dad, I would assume at the time, because I think he's probably only like his early thirties, and we were like mm, ten or so, eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought he was the coolest dude in the world. He used to always call us Youngblood. So um, usually when I talk to little kids, I'll call him Youngblood and stuff too. And uh, sometimes even uh, when I like greet people, I'll be like, oh, what's up, blood? But um, I don't know. I think that might be – it feels like uh, appropriation that I didn't realize I was doing because <laughs> I was just copying a cool dad that I thought was, was cool when I was a kid. But I th- think – You're always be. appropriating cultures, Kyle. Well, I, I think it might not be appropriate for me to say it. So if I said it on the podcast before uh, or anything like that, um, sorry if that like, pisses anyone off. I didn't um, realize what I was doing. I'm still not sure what the stakes are of it, but the way they referred to each other as blood, it seems like it might be an old school like uh, uh, black man thing. That maybe uh, I, I shouldn't participate in. So. <laughs> oh, you mean you shouldn't go around calling uh, everybody my man? <laughs> my man. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm um, to say. Though. I got it's my man. My man. 
Well, it, to me now, it just reminds me of uh, my man. Th- my man. It reminds me of uh, fucking what's the Jason Momoa Aquaman? Because <laughs> like the trailer where him and the uh, Batman team up or whatever. Yeah, me too. My man. My man. That's what that reminds me of now. Well, I mean, the my man thing is that's how uh, like jazz musicians used to refer to each other back in like the or black jazz musicians refer to each other back in the day because no one else would call them man. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's racism is as old as time. Yeah. Um. Well, next week we're not watching a movie about racism. I'm. We're watching a movie about sexism. A little bit. Well, there'll be some misogyny addressed in it. It's an movie. Yeah, but it's directed by Catherine Bigelow. So instead of um, perpetuating misogyny, misogyny may be addressed. We're watching Kathleen Bigelow's Stark Western vampire film, Near Dark. <gasps> Kathleen Bigelow's Electric Gigolo. Kathleen Bigelow. Yeah, uh, I assume we'll probably still end up talking about racism in the next episode because uh, <laughs> something incredible. I don't, I don't think I don't think it's gonna stop being a problem. So can't get their shit together. Can't just let people live. Oh, and fucking, uh, fucking, they took away, uh, the, the, or they fucking, you can refuse, uh, gay and trans people medical, uh, help now because of your religious beliefs or that bullshit is. So, uh, anti-discrimination laws just whittle those shits away, huh? Yep. Fucking, this country, man. Uh, not much longer. Not much longer now. If you say so. (laughs) I do say so. I'm just saying, like the forts, the French Revolution lasted like a decade, and it didn't end that real well. Yeah, but we got the internet now. Shit oh yeah, because and I don't know, and the fucking Arab Spring did not go well. I'm not hopeful for uh, time moves faster for 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 violent revolution. It doesn't have to be violent. Well, it probably will have to be violent. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Kyle. Yeah, this is, this is the power structure that we will, will gently hand over the reins. Yeah, they'll just be clowned on from too many memes. They won't be able to handle it anymore. Right. We'll unleash Generation Z on them, the Zoomers. Oh, God. They're like, worse than millennials. They're really, I've looked at on everybody. Generation Z may be more <laughs> racist than millennials. Well, that's weird. Oh, it's, I, it's because uh, YouTube let all those Nazis on the platform. Yeah, fine, I, I bet it is. They were raised by YouTube, huh? Um, but is that actually true? What? That Zoomers are more racist, sir? I don't know. I've, I've seen a couple polls, and it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that they're pretty good at talking shit on the internet, so if they can be weaponized to talk shit, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll work. I don't think they're that good at talking shit on the internet. Well, uh, I guess it's just because it's um, new, but they are generally just repeating what they hear on their favorite streams and shit. Everyone's just regurgitating the same like one-liners and memes and shit. No one has new ideas. It's like every fucking YouTube comment you see is uh, people writing the text format of a meme and shit. So what the fuck are you doing with your time? You don't have any original thoughts? Fucking godless. Heathens. Never read a goddamn book. Worship me as your new god. Oh yeah, let's get this cult going. If we're going to be an autonomous zone, I'm starting one. Oh yeah. Let's do it. We're going to have a lazy river. Not fucking Arizona though, it's too hot. I don't know if you listeners send in your recommendations for autonomous songs. Well, <laughs> when we arrive in a caravan, we'll be like, damn, 
Santifa super soldiers. Uh, yeah, surf Nazis must must die. They do. Most not all Nazis must die. All varieties of them. Even grammar Nazis. Yeah, that shit doesn't matter anymore. It's 2020. Who cares if people type on the internet, how people type on the internet? Doesn't matter anymore. It was always like weird when people would type out uh, N E thing, like the letter N, the letter E space thing, and be like, man, it's the same keystrokes, same amount of keystrokes. The fuck you doing? I yeah, mean, that used to that's bothered you for 20 years. I just just like I can understand if you're abbreviating shit for simplicity and like you know to cut down on time and shit, but like that's that's the same amount of keystrokes. <laughs> it's not, just type it right. Yeah, it's not doing anything. <laughs> it's not helping you at all. <clears throat> all right. Um, I don't have anything else to say. I'm probably go to sleep or something. Near dark next week. I'm Sean, and I'm at Sean McDonald on Twitter. Our website is vhscult.org. Oh, is it .org? No, it's .com. Oh. <laughs> We're an we should try to go to .org or .gov. My Twitter is at Calamain. the Now, my name's not of. Oh, um, I thought you meant like Charlemagne, <laughs> the seventh uh, century Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, my name is a reference more to the historical figure Charlemagne, not so much Charlemagne the God. I feel like we've done this joke before. We had to. You know, it's like, uh, almost 100 episodes in. We've said it all. Everything's been said. We solved it all. <laughs> Were we trying to solve anything on this podcast? Trying to get to the bottom what the best 80s movie was or something. Oh. And we uh, we already watched it. It was Ghoulies. <laughs> the perfect <laughs> film. Yes, uh, I'm the winner. Okay. VHS cult. <laughs>